Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Dark Art Society Podcast. I'm your host, Chet Czar, and today we have the legend, Olivia, on the show. Olivia needs no introduction. I'm sure you know who she is. Um, so honored to have her make time for me and come on this podcast. And uh, we had a really excellent chat. Uh, so that's coming up. Uh, what's been going on with me? I've been dealing with uh, sales for uh, holiday sales. You know, we had Black Friday and Cyber Monday and all that. So, uh, just been dealing with that basically, um, kind of boring, but there are a few, there are <clears throat> sold out of the $55 mystery boxes and there are still as of Monday when I'm recording this, there are, uh, 950 dollar boxes. 155 yeah $155 boxes there's nine of them left and there's one $500 box left so if you want to get one go to jetzar.bigcartel.com um oh yeah <clears throat> if you want to support the podcast you go to patreon.com slash dark art society get your name read on the podcast get a 20% discount code for our sponsor skull shop s-k-u-l-l S-H-O-P-P-E. They made this wonderful skull. Um, and if you join at the $5 and above level, you get a 20% discount code. And they're great people. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, yeah. No new subscribers this week. Otherwise, I would read their names off. Um, I'm recording this late, so I'm kind of tired. <laughs> uh, uh I'm trying to, I've got a, a new goal of getting all of the podcast stuff done on Mondays. Get it all done in one day. That way it uh, I'll have more time to work on everything else I got to get done. So <clears throat> before I go to sleep, I thought I'd record this intro and get the comp together and all that business. So um, that's why I'm a little low energy right now, but... The interview's awesome. Olivia's amazing. And uh, I was so, so honored to have her on here. Um, I guess that's it. I'm going to keep it short. Uh, there's nothing really new to say. Uh, there's really not much going on. Uh, oh, I put a bunch of uh, all my paper prints, limited edition paper prints, on sale at chetzar.bigcartel.com as well. Um, am I missing anything? Patreon.com slash Dark Art Society. Uh, if you want to uh, support my artwork, you can go to uh, Patreon.com slash Chetzar and join for as little as a dollar as well. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, I guess not. Anyway, what you really want to hear is the Olivia interview. So let's get on with it. Here we go, my interview with the legendary Olivia. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, Olivia. Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming. I am so excited. 
I'm excited to be here. What are we going to talk about? Oh, all kinds of things. <laughs> you are such a legend. You are such a legend. I can't. I can't believe that you hang out with us. <laughs> oh. I'm hanging up right now. That's it. <laughs> I remember when I first saw you at, at, at Copro. I was like, "That's the Olivia." I couldn't believe that you were mixing in with us bums. Oh, almost all your shows. I know. Forcing me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so, you know, and I, and I, and I love the people at Cop Row. It's like, a, it's a family place to me, Erica and Gary, you know? Yeah. It's like, you know, my, where all my friends are. And I love the art. I don't really fit in to a lot of the art, but I seem to be going in that direction in, in the dark, getting going over to the dark side. But I think I always had a touch of that to begin with. Oh yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> I think yeah, I I think you know, Copro is that kind of gallery too, where it's not, you know, they kind of have a wide range of of artwork, and it's like it's more about the artists in a way than about the art, you know? It's like they have cool artists that are doing cool stuff. And if it's good and it's cool, then, you know, it all fits somehow. I don't know, you know? Fit into a format that, you know, it's it's it's, it's outlaw art. Yeah, right. It is kind of, it, yeah, it is similar in that, in that, uh, in that way. They're, they're related in that way, I guess. I'm about to yell at Joe to stop watching washing the dishes. <laughs> I can't hear. Dishes. <laughs> I can't hear him. Please stop. <laughs> I can't hear him. It's all right. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, everybody knows you. You're the legend. I, 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 you know, known your work since I was a kid, and it's like I remember seeing your stuff and just what. Live long enough, you become a legend just for living long enough. But you were a legend back when you were showing your stuff on Playboy and heavy metal magazine and stuff. I mean, you were legendary back then, and so I don't know why you think that, but okay, I'll take it. <laughs> you were legendary to us, art kids, at least. Do you have kids? Yeah, oh. yeah, but I mean, when I was a kid. You were a kid a long time ago, weren't you? What's that? You were a kid a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. You're close to my age. I am. I just turned fifty-six. Ah, okay. You're not close. <laughs> I can't tell how old you are because you're ageless. So. Right, well, thank you. I'm turning seventy-five this week. No. So I'll have been in this business. 50 years. Wow. I, mean, I painted before that. I started at 25. I painted before that, but I wasn't committed. You know, there was a lot of false starts and a lot, a lot of fucked upness in my, can I curse on Yes. That? Yes. And a lot of fucked upness and, and, uh, uh, a lot of waiting for inspiration. Mm -hmm. And that's how I thought it had to be. So you have to start every 
um, every six months inspiration would happen. And you can't work like that. And no. it took it took a long, hard lesson in a couple of years. And I was living with somebody who was just obsessed doing art. That's all he could do. That's all he could think of. And it was like, it was an amazing mentor uh, to see what it felt like to be that devoted that everything in your life had to do with your art. But I was still waitressing and not getting it. And then one day I had this huge attack, a uh, mental attack, a breakdown, an epiphany. And, and I started a process of working and starting to fight for myself. And that all happened at 25. It was like a thunderbolt. And it was the most amazing year of my life because I had never felt that alive. Wow. Before. It was, um, I just woke up what? and became obsessed and started drawing day and night. It was just a, a, an amazing process. Do, do, do you know what, <laughs> do you know what, what caused it? Uh I don't know, you know, middle, mid twenties, you know, fucking up so many, so many times. Could I be that I finally got smart? Could <laughs> it be that I was desperate and out of options? I was tired of doing Groundhog Day and in a way of waking up and, and dealing, having the same problematic woman. And um, I always could draw. And I just knew that, you know, it's just the weirdest thing. I can't tell you. It was, it was like being dosed. <laughs> I was, uh, went from, you know, somebody who was, you know, totally milk toast and, 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 and all of a sudden I was out there pounding the pavement looking for work with a small portfolio, going to sex magazines because I knew that I could do that kind of drawing. At least I think so. I went into there and lied and then went home and tried to figure it out. That's how those years went. It was, and actually it's funny because as I was saying that, I'm thinking right now I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> 50 years later, I've taken on doing a graphic novel and I don't know how to do that. So I'm um, looking forward and I'm going to try my best to do it. So uh, yeah, that's, it's too complex to tell you what happened, there are too many factors, but I got there, and then, and then I've been obsessed for fifty years. That's years, fucking <laughs> years. Yeah, blows my mind. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. I remember, you know, one one thing you told me at the LA Art Fair. I think it was at the LA Art Fair. I thought it was like it really was like it stuck with me it's one of those things you hear from from an from a from a a mentor or a, you know an artist who's uh more established than yourself it's like i was what was i i was complaining about my back <laughs> i remember my back hurt and i was and you were like oh let me sit you could sit in my chair and i was like that's okay and then i was i don't know you were asking me maybe why my back hurt and i was saying cuz i was working so much and I was saying, you know, when I get older and more successful and I finally get enough money, I'll take a break then. And you were like, it's never going to happen. <laughs> it's so funny. 
<laughs> and it's so, and it's so true. And I'm like, you know, she's probably right. It's just this is how it was for my dad, who was a painter. It's like, you know, you it's it's not, it's going to be that way, and and till I die, probably. You know, it's just the way. It's the art life. You know, work like me, and I think. There's got to be a way we can break away, but I'm not good at that. I don't know how to. I keep clutching onto it. I think my a, another part, going back to when I was 25 and started this, I think that a lot of the world, uh, I just feel out of control. And the minute I move away from my art, I have no personality. I have no no presence i have no meaning or i i don't know uh, and, and i don't think i feel that way as much now but when i first started i felt like i fucked up so many ways in my life mm. the only thing that anchored me to the planet was working on paper and it was the only way i could get control in an uncontrollable life right and the more I worked, the more control I felt like I had. And also, there was this strange thing I remember when I was doing illustrations for the sex magazines. I remember having five of them, five published pieces of work. And I kept flipping through them. And it felt like I was flipping through some book of my life. It somehow made sense. Hmm. And I wanted to see more and more so i i it just it was one of the a, a strange mental place where work was the only answer i wanted i want to see more and i'm still that way i still want to see more but i am also under the impression that you should travel it expands the mind it mm. gives you the experiences which i have none <laughs> <laughs> And I've been to Europe a little, but like last time I was in Europe, it was 84. Japan was 94. And God, time is going by. I don't know if I'm going to be traveling. Have you been anywhere? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, the thing is, is like, I don't like to travel, but I do think everyone should travel. I think it's really important that everyone tra travels the world. But because I, I started off in the movie business, and so they would send me um, on set, on location. So I would like, worked in china uh, uh wow you know I, I worked on a movie in hawaii uh what were you doing i was doing special effects stuff <laughs> makeup effects and creatures what's that so perfect for you yeah yeah that's why i'm you know it was the painting is sort of an extension of what i used to do in the movie business for, for like 20 years i was a sculptor so and creature designer and stuff but um, so I was able to travel a lot. I went to Italy on a movie, and but I would have never have done it if I didn't have to for the for the uh, the job, you know. So I'm glad too. If it's if it's a job or a convention, that's the only way I get to see something. Right. If I have, doesn't seem to be for my own pleasure. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, but, but later I ended up going to like, uh, uh, um, the UK and Berlin and that was Berlin. That was amazing. It was, yeah. we weren't there that long, but it was super cool. Yeah. Uh, cause I, I had a show out there and, um, 
Yeah, I remember me and my friend were walking down the street with the gallery owner and at three in the morning and looking over our shoulders, like nervous. And she's like, why are you, what are you worried about? It's like, <laughs> nobody mugs, people don't mug each other around here. It's not like that in Berlin. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah, we felt like that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I agree about traveling, but I don't want to travel. I know people, I am so happy making this shit. That's all I want to do. And it's, I'm so satisfied. <laughs> well, I, I get it, but there are places I think. Uh, I don't yeah. If I could just be there, I would love that. I just hate flying. Yeah. It's such a pain in the ass, especially now with all the, you know, the lines they make you wait in and the TSA and all that shit. It's terrible. Uh, uh, so, okay. Uh, for, before we get into other stuff, I want to know like your childhood, how you got, when, how you first started creating artwork. Like, I'm sure you must've started when you were a little kid. Yes. Didn't you? Yes. <laughs> I've had a couple artists on here though, that didn't start until they were like 20 really strange didn't do any drawing when they were a kid but 98 percent of them started when they were like three four five years old yeah i ran into a really great artist and and i'm just blanking on her name right now and she's it's like it seems like her art was so good it seemed like it would take two lifetimes to get that to that good and she said she started at like 30 40 i was like fuck <laughs> this is my side job <laughs> being <laughs> you know it's really amazing yeah i don't know yeah I, not all my life so. yeah i because I, I started drawing when i was little and i was always dabbling and i was always an art kid and uh but i didn't start oil painting until i was 33 but i had like all that background in sculpture in the makeup effects and painting with an airbrush and stuff for creature suits and stuff. It's all art. Yeah. It, it's yeah, it, it, it definitely, definitely. But the foundation was drawing. Yeah. And it has everything to do with the way your art is now. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything in there and you need, and, and your knowledge all these years, you know, it shows. So, and everything I've done, even the dumbest work I've learned something from, Absolutely. You know, good experiences, bad experiences, you know, just the act of painting it, you're, you know, you're learning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, too, if I don't say anything and I'm only nodding my head, it's because when I talk, for some reason, it blocks out what you're saying. So I'm trying not to step on your lines at all. I'm sorry. I'm interrupting you, too. So no, 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 no. It's. It's, it's all, it's on me. So I'm just, just so you know, I'm not being rude. I'm just kind of like, I don't want to, I don't want to mute you out. I'm your friend. I know you're not rude. <laughs> not worried. Well, I appreciate it. Me. <laughs> no problem. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. The, you know, that's the other thing about you is that when I met you and we got to know each other through going to Velasco's parties and all this stuff. You and Joel are both so nice and it's just such great energy people to be around. You just feel like 
positive, you radiate positive energy. Thank you. And not in a cheesy new agey way. It's like, you're kind of real. <laughs> I'm so grateful. I don't do that. <laughs> I really, I, I love, love seeing you both. You're just great people, but okay. Anyway, I just had to say that. Um, so, okay. Childhood of a drawing. Were you, what kind of stuff, what kind of stuff were you drawing as a kid? Well, I have to say, well, Barbie dolls didn't exist until I was nine years old. So if you saw the beginning of the Barbie movie, it's like in the dark ages, all they gave you were dolls that were babies. So you can pretend to be taking care of a baby. And that's what I had. And what I drew was uh, Barbie doll type of creatures, little stick figures that had boobs and a shape because my mother looked like that. And my mother used to run around the house naked. And she was very voluptuous and very pretty and very vivacious human being, you know. And I think, you know, she just influenced me so much. She would. Uh, not only did I love seeing the old movies like Dietrich and, you know, uh, um, Catherine uh, I just blanked on her name. The old Monroe, all the old bombshells, independent, Catherine Hepburn, oh, Betty Davis, all those women fascinated me. And then my mother would come around and imitate them terribly, just horrible. She did not. <laughs> <laughs> so these imitations really stuck her because it was all, the sex was real uh, and funny and, 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 and <laughs> Mae West. And so my mother would uh, have a ball doing that. So that's who I drew uh, probably most of my childhood. I always drew women, hmm. never into drawing horses or anything like that. And um, and I, when I had my first job working in a department store when I was 17, I would take home people's um, pictures of their loved ones and draw portraits of them and give it to them. It used to make them so happy. So I started doing that. And then I went to New York. I went to New York and went to visual arts. And I was so messed up from those years in my high school and some shit happened. Wow. I didn't want Anyhow. Uh, so, um, I I was sort of damaged from that. So it took uh, so I got lost in New York. It was Vietnam War times. I was there in 67, 68. And I think a lot of the school the boys were like escaping being drafted, you know? And so I didn't you know, it just wound up I went to some classes and then I started fucking off and not showing up at many of them. And uh, being loose in New York, you know, and experience uh, a bohemian lifestyle in the village. Oh, that must have been such a, so much fun. <laughs> well. In the late, in the summer of love, I mean, like right around that time. It was that time, 69. I couldn't get to Woodstock, although Joe made it there. Wow. Um, that's what I said. I was really pissed. It couldn't get. They were telling you, "Don't come, don't come." And I was like, "Mark, <laughs> stupid me." I listened to them. I didn't go, but uh, I'm not sure I would have had a good time anyhow. So, yeah. um, 
but uh but that what a time that must have been an amazing time to be alive scary too though because of the war and everything and the civil uh, civil rights stuff going on and yeah and abortion rights stuff like that fought for we marched for you know um yeah no they were turbulent times um but they were fun but you know i i i think that everybody always likes to romanticize those times you know there's great times now right you know they're they're just very different so yeah don't you don't don't you feel parallels right now with the 60s with everything that's going on kind of sure Sure, it's the same dialogue. Really? The 40s all coming back. Yeah. You know, and, and, and if, you know, you, you live your life, and I've been around 75 years, but you're also living your parents' life. And, you know, the, the, my parents were World War World, II veterans. They were both in the Army and met there. And so you get you get the feeling of what it was like during those times all the way back to the 20s. You have a little insight of what, you know, years before you existed happened. So, yeah, things keep coming around. People forget, young people forget. And here we are. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's a trip. It's like this just, the same thing that's my my, i remember my mother-in-law i remember during uh the bush era and the war in iraq and i was talking to my mother-in-law and and she didn't seem freaked out about everything and you get used yeah you get used to war yeah and coming around you said well i've seen this before at least five times yeah yeah and 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 i guess her her take was kind of like you know, it just swings back and forth. It keeps going back and forth. So it's like things are fucked up now, but they're going to come back. And it's just the way of the world, you know? The pendulum swings. Yep. But you have to worry about it swinging so far Yeah. back. I mean, and that's what everybody writes. It's what you have dystopia. It's what all the movies have. You know, it's you've you've gone one step too far. You really fucked up the planet. Now we have to live in it. Yeah. You, you know? don't want to break the pendulum. <laughs> yeah. Or it seems like maybe the whole world degenerates over each time we get a blow, each time the pendulum, it just keeps getting lower to the body until it gets to the bone. Right. So, it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is scary. I, I'm trying to find a bright side to all the stuff that's going on somehow. It's uh, it's because it's like, you know, it's happening all over the world, too. That's the weird thing. Like Argentina just voted in a like a fascist guy. And there's a guy in uh, that Orban dude in uh, Poland, I think, or Hungary. Hungary. I, I tend to think of the beginning of, is it The Exorcist? The beginning of The Exorcist, which I haven't seen like in 40 years. Oh, you should see it. It's so good. I just watched I, it recently. It's so it, good. It was a great movie. Especially uh, the beginning is amazing. And the beginning is very much like what it feels like now. 
Was, was where they're over there and 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 people the devil's raising and it's just like all this foreboding stuff. all this stuff is happening all over yeah like that then now i have trouble trying to remember the peaceful times i can't remember them. <laughs> i don't know yeah i mean you've 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 definitely had some good times <laughs> in your life you know you've you've yeah. Done very well for yourself and, and uh you. you know, just uh I I, I uh, uh okay, I, I, sorry, I wanna get I wanna just I just wanna kinda get your a little your life story uh going and then we can move on from there. So I wanna know like you went to New York, you went to school, you got to live that Bohemian lifestyle. Uh I had a friend of mine too who was telling that's when I first got clued into the idea that like maybe the hippie era wasn't as great as as I thought it seemed like it would have been because he was saying how scared he was of getting drafted and everybody was really worried about that and you know that's that's a scary thing but anyway so so okay you uh how did you start working once you got out of school what was your first gig was that the sex magazines let me step back for a second so yes it was scary for for the guys for women, there was no birth control. Oh yeah. So and every guy wanted to fuck. Yeah, yeah, right. Birth control and and, and somehow guys didn't seem to be carrying around rubbers back then. Right. <laughs> it was very free uh, sex, but the women paid for it. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have a trampoline in here, and. and <laughs> Just seems like that that was setting you up for this idea that you could just do anything you want, which right. isn't. You know, there's some delicacies to the body. That well, you, I mean, I, I, I think the '70s showed what happened. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody I knew grew up from, from broken homes. Like it was normal that everyone was divorced when I was a kid. That was the norm. It was weird when a, when a, it was a, a parent stayed married. And it kind of came out of that whole, it's like, I don't know, the seventies were, my perspective on the seventies was really weird being a little kid growing up in the seventies. It was just, was like <clears throat> weird. It was weird and psychedelic to me. Cause it was like, everything was super syrupy, sweet mixed with. Really? Yeah. It was like all the pop stuff on the radio, AM radio he listened to was like, so corny and it's like I, you know like the carpenters and stuff were in the background of like all these broken homes <laughs> like you know my brother and sister chasing each other with baseball bats and and you know just total chaos in the house with like the carpenters playing in the background <laughs> that's that's my memory of it it's like this weird mix of broken homes and chaos and fathers that didn't live at home and and all these really sweet love song pop 70s love songs that kind of it just it's like for to me the 70s were like really creepy but i think it's probably just my experience i was out of the house i was an adult by then yeah so, <laughs> so that must have been pretty great for you then in the 70s new york was really exciting i mean i really felt once i 
My mother dumped me off at a YWCA in uptown Manhattan. And it was it was a disgusting place. <laughs> As I went into my room, and I don't know, do they still have YWCAs? Uh I they have I know there's a YMCA in my in my town. You know what it is. Yeah. And, and my room was like a prison cell and with a window. And I just remember, I still remember opening that window and peeking out and just hearing the noise of the city was so intense. The whole thing just hummed and it had energy to it. And I was excited. And I looked down at the street and I saw a hooker and I saw, you know, a pimp. And I saw and I, I, it was just like real life was out there. And I got all excited. Just, and I was not too far away from 42nd Street. So if I walked over there, you would see a whole scene. All the all the uh, the marquees at that time were just porn hubs and peep shows. And, and you'd see the pimps and the pimps had those cars that had um you know little balls hanging all around <laughs> wearing and they were wearing sly in the family stone type of clothing you know with the big heels and it was magnificent <laughs> it was just a visual overload new york was just real life and it was exciting it was dangerous and i was I think somebody once said to me a couple of years in is, how did a cupcake like you survive in this city? Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a tough broad. And they were still laughing at me. <laughs> so that the woman was looking at me like, oh, I could squash you with my thumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds it. I mean, that's like the, 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 uh, the dangerous era of, of New York, the, the, the New York. You really know. And somehow I survived. Berkowitz was around killing people. Oh my God. And then I moved uh, with a boyfriend to um, the Bowery. And I don't know if you know what the Bowery was like in 1969. Maybe not bad. Homeless. It was sleeping on the, on the sidewalks and, and junkies. And it was, uh, Alphabet City, which was a whole junkie haven on the left, and Hell's Angels on the next block, and and I was there, moved there, and I had no heat. Oh my god! <laughs> so awful. <laughs> An old flop house with no heat and mice everywhere. Wow. <laughs> They ate the inside of my mattress out. I, I just remember, and I don't know how I survived that. But we were building what was to become CBGBs. I lived a block away from it, and I worked for Hilly. I don't know if you know the history. Oh of yeah, yeah, definitely. He used to work for Hilly Crystal over in Ninth Street in the Village, and he said, "Come on over, I'm building a place over in, uh, on the Bowery." And so we moved to a loft there. And, um, and literally, I, I, he, he was an amazing human being, literally hammered uh, uh, floorboards into, into Hillies. There was a, a wood floorboard that led to the back where the music started to play. But he didn't become 
it didn't become a place of music for a couple of years. And I had left already by that time. I had started my career and, and I kept hearing about what was going on there. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, oh, man, did you get to see the Ramones and all that stuff? But I guess you just missed it. You're a little too early. Yeah, but I went back a few times, you know, and then I ran into Hilly like, oh, my God, in the 90s. And I couldn't believe he remembered me. I did a painting on the wall behind the third bar when I saw that, that really horrible painting. He paid me in hamburgers. He was a <laughs> really sweet guy. And, you know, he, he supported the arts. He wanted to do something. If you talk to the musicians, they loved him because he gave them a place, which is what he wanted to do, which was a catalyst for a whole art movement. Mm -hmm. Movement. The place was a shithole, but it was their shithole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was an amazing time. And, and that's what's amazing about there are special times in art world when you're like the 20s and 30s in Paris, if you read um, uh, Hemingway's, um, oh my God, A Movable Feast. I was reading A Movable Feast when I was living in Soho. And in Soho, it was all artists. You know, they were moving into the, illegally moving into the, the loss. And I moved there in like 1970. And uh, during the day, it's all um, uh, business, you know, it's it's machinery and clothing it's littering all over the place. If you're walking down the street as a woman, you're constantly getting hassled until you get to your, do you get to your uh, loft building and then you have to share the elevator and go up and, and, and uh, hide out like everybody else and, uh, it was a time. So I was reading the book. I've gone off on a tangent here. So you're reading a book about 1920s um, Paris art where Dolly and Picasso and all these people are hanging and drinking together, Kiki. Uh, and uh, and you think, oh, my God, I'd do anything to be there. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm sitting in the middle of a place that did some kind of revolution. And, you know, it was one of those places that had that same kind of heat artistic because so many incredible artists came out of that whole thing, that whole Soho thing. So yeah, you just never know where you are. Yes, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. And this is the place. <laughs> that, I, I, I kind of think that, um, you know, I think as painters were kind of in a really amazing period right now that maybe we don't fully appreciate in a way. Cause I, I mean, I think the, I think the stuff that the shows that we do and the stuff that the shows at Copro and just the art scene around LA and Chris Velasco's barbecues, you know, these are, these are amazing. You know, we're in it. So it's like Anything barbecuing. I'm sorry. <laughs> He calls it a barbecue, but it's, you know. Dad, I didn't see something lit up with him cooking weenies. <laughs> That's true. I think he did in the old ones. Okay. But he started getting them catered. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that, um, you know, I know I, I kind of take it for granted. But it's one of those things that artists in the future will, 
hear about these show, amazing shows at Cop Road, these gatherings of, you know, these parties that Velasco used to throw and like all, all these, all family. Yeah. 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 But it, it is absolutely. And, um, but it's also, you know, a lot of really amazing artists all inspiring each other. So I feel like there's that energy there, especially I feel like LA is the really the epicenter. I can't think of another cause cause New York is kind of like, I don't know. It's old establishment art and it's just a not yeah. what's that there anymore yeah right when he came out here um i think also new york what happened is that it became too expensive mm -hmm. so had to leave and so once they left everybody else it's this is all it's an old story they take off and they live the these lives that become enviable for 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 people who have money and mm -hmm. they can, and so I mean, I, I remember walking down Soho a good twenty years after I had lived there, and there was Prada, there was Chanel, and it just blew my mind. I said, I can't believe that they have made this into uh, Upper Upper East Side. So. Um, so everybody's out in Brooklyn. There's a large art community out in Brooklyn. They're scattered, Staten Island. Um, but I think the same thing is out here. I think it's come out here. The money has come out here. And uh, some of the big major museums, it's changed. Mm -hmm. Especially in the last 10 years. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I just feel like, the you know, all the artwork I like is mostly centered in this area where we live. I don't know. It just, maybe I'm prejudiced, but I don't know. It seems like all the cool shit's happening here to me. <laughs> we know all the cool people. We do. <laughs> I don't know. Um, the internet kind of, I see people from all over the world. That's true. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I guess I'm thinking specifically the gallery scene. Um, it doesn't matter anyway. But I guess my, my overall point was like, you know, I think we're living through that, especially with the internet too. We're living through one of those times right now where it's, you know, like you're talking about the 20s when all these artists were hanging out. It's like, this is kind of our version of that that's happening now. And I don't think most people can see it because we're in it. <clears throat> and we're having to pay the bills and we're having to, you know, deal with all the bullshit. And so it's hard to, you don't get to romanticize it until it's over and you're looking back on it. Like you were saying, you know, when you're old, you can, <laughs> you can say, I'm not, you, you forget the really bad stuff. Like when you didn't have any heat, right. Remembering it just seems more, I don't know. It just seems amazing. I think the mo you just can't believe you lived through it. Right. And, and uh, survived as an artist through it. Yeah, no, it's it is amazing. But I feel like we've been really lucky that we've been able to paint. Absolutely. Yeah. Most important thing. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's like any any anybody who's a real artist will agree that that's the most important thing is that we can just keep earning enough, to, at least enough to keep painting. 
and keep creating work. You know, that's the primary thing. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I, you, you had, okay, wait a minute. Okay. So <laughs> I'm trying, I'm, I, I, I do, I love these t- think tangents we're going off on. I'm all about it. I want to, but I do want to, I'm curious about your career trajectory because, you know, how do you get from a bohemian kid walking this through junkies and pimps and stuff? It is that watch what you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, just how did you get there from you know doing these amazing pinups in Playboy? And I mean, I, I remember I remember them from Playboy. You know, from way back when I was a little kid sneaking my friend's dad used to have all these playboys and we'd sneak sneak them out i remember them from back then like the mid late 70s or 80 early 80s maybe so i remember it from back then and then i remember seeing your stuff on heavy metal magazine so it's like how did you do that how did you get to that point strange life for me i it's i'm an i'm an only child okay my parents were they they had Playboy magazine in the house in the fifties. So your parents must have been pretty liberal. Yeah, they're walking, liberal. Walking around naked and having Playboy and just my mother because she was raised. You know, my mother is Mexican. Oh, okay. And raised in Chino, her mother died young, and so her and her, all her brothers and sisters didn't have a mother to take care of them. So they would just run around the house and do whatever they want. She has no problem with her body and, and to walk around like that. My father and me, we would take the bed sheets. We would take anything to be covered. It's just, it's amazing. Some people are so comfortable naked and, and, and some aren't. And I'm yeah. never covered. I'm never going to be comfortable with that. So, and it amazes me when I have my models and they walk in and they're just like naked in a second. I'm going, how does one do that? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I'm so envious of the fact that they're so free with their body and they're able to, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely with you on that. <laughs> I'm more of the modest <laughs> type. I've always been like that since I was a kid. But, you know, another, real quick, my dad, um, my biological dad was Mexican. So we got that Mexican blood in us. Uh-huh. Right on. <laughs> right on, sister. <laughs> I was raised back east and my mother kept it pretty under wraps. Mm-hmm. Want my father was Italian and so my mother wasn't she she didn't want to you know prejudice. My mother was embarrassed for about it and so she would split it into Oh, I'm Spanish and I'm, I'm Indian. That's what my mom did too. My mom did the same thing. <laughs> so as a kid, I'm going, so what are you? And I said, I'm Italian, I'm French, I'm Indian. And I go, wow, that's so exotic. Yeah. And then I'm older or Mexican. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, before my mother died, I, I, I did one of those tests, the, the um, um, DNA test because she looked like Geronimo as mm-hmm. she was your death. She looked like a really old Indian. And then I found out like 35% American Indian. I mean, 
I don't know if American, indigenous Indian. Wow. Shocked me. She was that, that much, which made my grandmother. I started looking at my grandmother's pictures and realizing she was dark, you know, (laughs) and my grandfather was Spanish. So he was very blue eyed and blonde haired. So it, 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 it's amazing to see the pictures of them all together. That's so cool. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, I, I just I I don't identify with any of it. The Mexican, the Italian, I identify with an as artist. Mm-hmm. I, it's not same thing, but I, I just I feel I'm very American because I'm a mutt of all. I've just got so many other things until it's yeah, same here. Yeah, yeah. I got my mom's side is like Irish, English. Scottish, and then my dad's like Mexican, French, and German. I think so. It's kind of combination. <laughs> the, the, it's so far apart, and you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a trip. It's and a- they got so attracted together, those two. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. It's totally a trip. Um, yeah. So, so anyway, okay. Can you hear that outside? No, okay. I'm not answering any of your questions. <laughs> no, there's a there's a garbage truck outside. No, I can't hear it. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> okay, so how did you get that oh, you career happening? Because uh, oh you God. had so so you, why was at art school? Okay, let me try to do that. <laughs> Just you don't have to go. If you don't want to talk about it too much, you don't have to. You could do a quick version, but I am curious how you got from there to where you are now, really. Well, it took 50 years, so don't worry. Describe <laughs> <laughs> all of it to you. Okay. So, so I always drew, got into visual arts, thought I was going into fashion illustration. Hmm. Then I became sort of a hippie, sort of a hippie. Um, um and just sort of fucked off and got lost in during the school years and got lost in New York City uh, uh, world. So I wound up living, uh, I, I painted, um, but every six months, like I said, you know, and then I would look at them and say, well, I can really paint. What am I doing with this? Right. How do I start? Where do I go? Everything's been done already. And that was before the internet. Before right. All oh, the worlds, how many artists there are and how many great artists there were. I'm not sure I would have been able to start knowing that. If I saw all that coming at me in the screen, I think I'd be pretty flipped out. Right. I'm in the, in the dark ages where it's just you, no phone, walking around the city, no money. And um, and I, I eventually wind up down in Soho living with Ted Stam. Um, and he he's actually oh um his his life is he's dead and he has this he's now a hanging museum so his life wasn't long but his career is going to be long Hmm. so um, so i wound up doing painting living with him in his loft in soho and uh doing paintings that were similar to his 
not knowing what I really was doing, you know, not understanding modern art, wasn't school for it. You know, you almost need a college certificate to really get that kind of artwork. Mm -hmm. And I artwork, I just, and I understand, I sort of, I, I appreciate it and love a lot of, a lot of uh, contemporary artists uh, or from minimal, whatever. Right. But do I understand it? No. And so even if I did a drawing or something like that, it's illustrative and looked down upon that time. Norman Rockwell was to most of the guys and most of the people in at that time was like the most disgusting artist you can possibly yeah. imagine. Crazy. So, so uh, as a woman, you could not really get very far in the art scene in the 70s and I'm 72, 73. Um, uh, I got in one show and was reviewed for it. And that show was actually kind of amazing because I wound up with some very, very uh, important artists. And, and so I have that. I have a pamphlet. I just how it cool. Was, it was very cool, but it was brief because after that I couldn't go anywhere with it. I couldn't get a show. I didn't have. The, I didn't understand what I was doing. I was really imitating my boyfriend's work. So you so, didn't have like your own style really yet. Is that what you mean? No, but but I was getting reviewed, and I was it's it's bizarre. <laughs> I, I wound up. In, in in a magazine review and and it, it, and on a um, a tour where they took all the best of of the art show and toured it around the country it's Larry Larry Aldridge Museum anyhow so that was my fine art career so I was still waitressing through this and drinking heavily heavily staying out all night partying uh -huh. going to you know the near uh, Greenwich Village scene. And uh, then I split up with my boyfriend and I go sober. I forgot. To, I stopped drinking. Didn't realize that I was like kind of hooked on the alcohol. Oh, really? You know, I remember my hair falling out a little bit and the shakes. Damn. Yeah. And I started disciplining myself. This is at age 25. And this is that whole transition. Okay. Tell you that I was. I was possessed all of a sudden that I was going to do something. And I was starting slow. I didn't just jump into like obsessive working. I just started a little bit trying to discipline myself. And when you start committing like that, you start going over the line. It starts, well, I can do this mm. and that. Then I went to, so where do I, where do I get work? I, I, I don't want a waitress anymore. So I went to the newsstands and looked around at the magazines. I mean, you figure you can draw. So where do you go? And so I I looked at the magazines and the place that I knew where I could draw well would be the sex magazine. They had some of the worst talent ever. <laughs> unless you're talking Playboy. And Playboy wanted virgins. In other words, if you work for another sex magazine, you, you know, if they wanted people with experience, but you know. You couldn't get the experience without working for somebody else. Right. <laughs> Catch 22, yeah. Catch 22. So it took me until the 80s to get in Playboy. Oh, okay. But all of a sudden, my work, because I was actually 
kind of got as I was working, kind kind of got better and better as a and so by I was getting in Swank magazine and Club magazine gave me a double page. Who cares? Somebody who doesn't who's had two years experience a double page. <laughs> Swank. <laughs> Swank and club. I mean, honestly, it's like they have they had a deficit in illustrators. Yeah. Especially ones that could draw women. So and then I got in Hustler and uh working your way up. <laughs> and Penthouse. Penthouse was uh and Playboy. Penthouse would became friends with Guccione. It was bizarre. Wow, what a trip. I'm told you this is a long life. I got a lot of stuff. I love it. And, so um, interesting. It, there's too many stories to tell. Yeah. And, uh, around 85, the West Coast editor of Playboy came over to our apartment in New York City and said that Playboy wanted to, Lillian Mueller had chosen my artwork and she wanted to do a whole 15 page spread in Playboy. Whoa. And they were flying us out and put us up at the oh, fabulous hotel. I forgot the name of it. And um, and we got to watch a classic Playboy shoot with one of the most beautiful women in the world. Wow. Fascinating. It must have been amazing to come out to where just coming out and being treated like that and saying, oh, you're going to get a 15-page spread. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was had my artwork, but then it had her wearing. They hired people to imitate the lingerie that I'd created on those those pieces. Oh, wow. On the cover. It, it was very, it was amazing. And then they took me up to the Playboy Mansion, and I got to meet half and see stuff. That's, it was it was really wild. I mean, you got to realize I was brought up with Playboy magazine. Right. And, uh it, it was pretty fabulous. And so somehow over the year or so, we got invited to Playboy to be one of the regulars up there. Um, and then we moved out here. It, it's a lot. It's hard to figure out all, all the time. Uh, and then we wound up spending 30 years going up there. And, and my artwork was used for the invitations of wow. the big and uh, we would get invited to the parties. So, and then I had shows. I had big shows out here. Had, what was the question? <laughs> oh, I was just your your how you you're you're te- you're doing it. I'm just curious, like how how your your career tra- trajectory basically. Uh, I was doing shows, and uh, Tamara Bain Gallery on Melrose in the late eighties. And I kept doing shows every year and a half. I would have to produce a all one woman show. So I mean, I constantly pounded out artwork like crazy. Were your were your sales of your originals good because of all the exposure in Playboy? They were good. I mean, um, Playboy had nothing to do with that, except for one thing. I have to say that that we did have some of the guest lists. You know when we sent out our invitations, and a lot of Playboy people did come to it. But I, uh, the shows were pretty successful, a lot of fun when they first started. So, oh my God, I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it hurt my head thinking about all those years. Have you thought about writing 
no. your, your memoirs? Yeah, I think I'm passing by it. I spent most of my life behind a desk. How interesting is that? Yeah, I, you uh, you should write you should write a book. Of, uh, you should write your memoirs seriously. I haven't got time, and plus, I want to do so much. Else. I know, I know. Time suck. I know. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be so interesting. I would. I would read it. Interesting stories out there. Much more. I don't know. I, you know, when that guy did that documentary about me, I told told him I was like, see that. "Oh, you haven't seen it? Oh, where is it? Oh, uh, it's on it's on Tubi for free now. You know, Tubi dot com. Okay. It's called Chet Zara. I like to paint monsters. It's really good. You like it? <laughs> Check it out. But uh, I'll send you I'll send you a link after. But I told him I was like, "You can make a documentary about me, but it's going to be boring." Cause I was just thinking, you know, my life's been boring. And, um, and then after we did it, as it was happening, I was like, wow, my life has actually been really interesting and kind of weird. And it's, it's really, um, having that experience makes you realize what, a how much crazy weird shit happens to you. You know, no, no. I feel the same way. I, I, someone, someone needs to make a documentary about you if you're not going to write your memoirs. Here's the problem when you're dealing with sex and you're dealing and you're a woman, uh, they they're just going to uh, bring up. It, it's just going to be salacious. Yeah. Uh, and you got to get the right person to do it. Yeah, Scorsese's busy. Now. <laughs> you need a you need a female director. I don't know. I don't know because I was around the time that a female director directed the Betty Page movie and I got to see Betty Hef had a um a showing at at his house at his mansion um and invited Betty Page and this woman and it was a non-authorized uh uh movie and I remember they're sitting next to each other and we were right behind them and halfway through them or actually but 10 minutes into the movie Betty's getting angry. Oh really? <laughs> oh, these are lies. Lies, all lies. And 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 the woman it started getting bad. And the woman who directed the movie wrote got up and moved, started moving away from her. Wow. Danger. But I have to think, her life in 90 minutes and all and some horrible points are in there. Would you like somebody to make up shit about oh, you? Yeah. And and I just I felt so bad for her. She left the place crying. Uh what a shame. It was. It was horrible. It was horrible to see. So yeah, no, I'm not anxious to let somebody I that take care of it. That well, okay. That the, the deal was like with this movie, I was like, you know, I have to I have to have the final say over it because <laughs> it's like, I don't want it to be, I, for one thing, I don't want my name on something that's not good, but I also don't want, you know, I wouldn't want someone to do something like that. Not that he would have done that, but, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't let somebody do that, you know? It yeah. You just need the right, you need the right person. I don't know. Neither do I. 
And I don't care about it. I don't have time for a mem. I'm trying to get the, a graphic novel done. I'm trying to get that. I'm trying to do a lot of things. Yeah. So, you know, um, my reason for living is to keep doing, uh, just just get someplace. I'm not happy with the work. And I want to I get someplace, do some relevant work or whatever. I'm not even sure if the word relevant should be. In it. I just want to keep working. I want to keep getting better. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of, because I've had such a long career and I've offered all these, um, I'm offered chances to do something like this. Dark Horse is going to publish it. Yeah. If I was a young girl, I don't know if that would be so easy to get. So, you know, I feel like I've got, you know, a leg up. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so cool that you're doing a graphic novel. Oh my God. Hey. It's so cool. We'll see. <laughs> it's going to be cool. It's going to be great. Are you are you like do, do, doing all of the panels, like drawing all of the panels or you have help for that? Cuz a lot, you know, a lot of times say that. What? <laughs> Funny you should say that. <laughs> well, at first we, we at first we haven't even told the uh, dark horses yet. Um that I'm starting to, I, I'm, I'm doing the, it's called blocking. Mm-hmm. You know, you, I've been doing it, but it's like four comic books make a graphic novel. So we're working on the first comic book, which is 36 pages. <laughs> and <laughs> so, um, I'm 24 pages in and, and I thought 24 pages was going to be it, but now it's 36. And so now I'm trying to get on that. And I'm hoping I had, so I'm going to start the final. I'm going to see, I'm going to try to do the best I can. And hopefully, well, maybe three, four months, maybe five months, we'll have a comic book. Cool. Yeah, I know. And then, and then we have three more to do. Is it, are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's really a challenge. Am I enjoying it? It is some things I just don't understand or don't know and I'm not a writer so but I'm doing some of the writing we uh, and I have Martin um Mounier who is the man who created that um chair that she sits in he also won an academy award for technical academy award for uh Coraline oh and, wow and um he's he's really and he's you know, one of our best friends. Um, so me, Joel, and, and Martin are in this getting out the uh, uh, the story. And as I'm drawing it, it somehow comes more real. It's interesting because this is the first time in my career where I've got one of my characters make it to sculpt which I sculpted. And you, well, okay. Yeah. I have to ask you about that. You sculpted that thing. Yeah. Not, not the bottom. You sculpted the figure. Figure. The figure I sculpted. I had a lot of help. It's hey. my friend. That's so, amazing. Um, but I had a lot of help and, but it took me six months and nobody believed I could do it. <laughs> and I killed myself, but it's definitely my work. And I've just finished another one. And I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be doing these things. 
it take too much time and uh, they're getting easier and I do have um I do have fun doing it it's it's fascinating to turn the object around and and, and see it in 3D I haven't got the hand strength to to uh 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 sculpt anything so um by hand so that's uh zbrush you so you learned zbrush you, to do that yes that's i don't know everything about it i have somebody who sits there on uh, every once in a while comes in now he's he's my right hand man who comes in and i have technical problem where i can't figure out the numbers and what am i doing wrong i get stuck and he comes in yeah and helps me but uh yeah no i'm, I'm sculpting that's amazing and when i finally see it in this you know in this condition of this this iteration of art um then we introduced it to uh, uh mike richardson of dark horse and joel set that whole thing up and said we're we're doing we'd like to do a story and he said do it and then we had a setup with him, a, a Zoom meeting with him. We read him the story, and he said, "Well, let's let's move on." So that's what I'm doing now. It's interesting because she's really coming alive to to do a pun, but um, <laughs> all of a sudden she's got she's she's visually you can walk around her, but now she's got a life and a history, and it's very it's really fun. It seems like it'd be so fun. That's a, that's it's scary too because you don't know if you're going in the right direction. Do we kill off this person? Yeah. No, not that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's, it's you're going to make mistakes, a lot of mistakes, but you got to do it. If you start holding back and you don't do it, that's the mistake. Yeah, I know. That's, you know, I, I've told you before, I think that's, uh, that, that's what I want to, I want to do maybe next for my next big project is a comic based on the dystopia book, you know? Well, I mean, I was just looking through the dystopia book. I mean, you've got it's a all, lot there. Yeah. So you need to either animate them or get them. Yeah. No, you've got, you've got it there in dystopia. That was the idea for the book is kind of like, this is the guidebook to do whatever comic books or, you know, animated animations or whatever. So yeah, I'm excited about it, but it is kind of scary. The idea is kind of scary. Well, um, you just got to start. I know. Where are you going to go with it? Maybe it helps if you pitch it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to keep the rights to everything. That's the main thing. Cause I, I was going to do a comic comic book before I forget who it was for with a, with a dark horse, let you keep your, you're uh, right. Oh, really? That's yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you though, cause you're Olivia. Oh no, I think, I think he, I think that's true of most of the people who are, do comic books are dark horse. Huh? Cause I know the, the place that we were, I forget. So it was IDW or, but I don't know. I, I took it to my contract lawyer and he's like, you don't want to do this. This is no. you're just giving all your rights away to this, your whole life's work here. And I was like, okay. So I got kind of cold feet with it, but. Yeah, no, there's places that will, 
Definitely. And you have to spend money on the lawyer. Absolutely. I was just reading the blab and Ryan Heshka's story on the Superman. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I just had him on the podcast. He didn't talk about that. Well, I mean, it's, they got screwed. The people who made uh, the two guys that made Superman. Oh, right. Got screwed out of everything. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Joel Joel Feist for me on, on things like that with Playboy. Playboy was the same. Vargas, you know, we met Vargas. Oh, 45 years ago. And he told us the story. He loved Hef, but Hef owned Vargas paintings after he painted them. And Joel saw to it that, uh, and Hef agreed to it, that uh, I had, I kept the rights to my paintings and kept the paintings. And that's how we make a living. That's what we're selling today and keep me in my old age. Yeah, you know? that's so cool. That's so, that was smart. Not my doing. <laughs> <laughs> done dumb stuff but uh yeah yeah um so look around for somebody who will give you your rights i think dark horse is one of those companies mm-hmm. um i i just tried working and i just tried to get another company with some of my artwork i don't want to say who but they gave me a contract which is basically work for hire and they can do whatever the fuck they want with your artwork. And it's like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's why I, I just did the book is all the dystopia book is all just completely on my own. You know, it's set up. It's set I up. Know. It's a precursor to wherever the fuck you're going. Yep. And I've got a, I've got, started yet i know i've got the story though from i have the story there is a story there that i have down it's in my head i mean i know the basic who's the good guys who's the bad guys what are they doing what are their motivations and all that stuff i just have to write it down but i'm I'm trying to get every i've been saying this on the podcast forever for the last couple years that (laughs) that you know trying to get i got commission work that's i got a painting i owe chris velasco from like Five years ago, it's like I got all these commissions I got to get done, so I'm trying to get them done by the end of this year, so I could start on that, and then I got to show at Copro next year too. So we'll see; it'll happen. Wait, wait you have a co- you have a show at Copro every year? Yeah, except this year I took off, so I could get this commission stuff done. You're gonna have to sacrifice something i know i know gary's going no (laughs) i have to do it this year because i was like it took me like five years for him to get me to take a year off but so what are you doing a year off uh i've just been working on these commissions and the it's like everything i normally because what happens is like i would i've got my web sales and my prints and all my you know making yeah. making new prints and sculptures and stuff and mm-hmm. um releasing those and just making a living that way and then um then i would always have a solo show come up and I, and then i ended up i'd i'd wait till the last minute not because i'm i want to but because i have to keep making money 
So then I ended up painting everything in three months and for the solo show. And then for that three months, everything gets derailed. All the progress I made in the commissions and stuff. So, um, I took a year off this year so I could get caught up on that stuff. And I still have, I didn't really, (laughs) I got some of it done. I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to, it's, it's a lot of work. Well, I don't take on commissions. Yeah. More because commissions, well, your commissions aren't like mine, but, uh, um, they don't go anywhere. I can't own the artwork. They belong to somebody. It's somebody else's concept or or yeah. portrait of somebody else. And what am I going to do with that? So it's that amount of time is is like lost, you know. And and that's um, true. And uh, yeah, you, you have to cut down on the commission work, but that's like cutting down your food. I know. <laughs> I mean, I normally only do commissions of things that. I can own the rights to and continue to sell on my own. Except for there's a couple portraits that I have to do. um, That that's a good point. That's a good point. It's like, you kind of have to be choosy so that everything you're doing, you can put towards your future, you know? So. Well, it becomes apparent when the opportunity is, is there so you've got you've got this book dystopia it's a beautiful book thank you but promising for something else to come out i mean it's just begging for i something. know i know and so i'll do it you're gonna have to vault <laughs> up your ass and go <laughs> and going to check out maybe where you could Maybe if you pitch a story to, to some a few people, um, protected yourself with the story. Yeah. Where it goes, then you have some idea, and then maybe somebody will say, "Well, do it with us." I don't know, but you have to start. I and know. Then you about it, because I can't read it between your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. That was the the plan was I was going to at least start on it next year. I have to get through the holidays now because I got all these. Huh? Next month. Two months from now. You're going to start? Well. Watch out when I see you at Chris's party. I'm going (laughs) to. I'll have some, I'll have to have some pages done for you. You better not show up, say doing nothing. (laughs) I know. Now you're going to hassle me. And then I found out that you and I have a show that we love together. Oh. Project Runway. How odd is that? Project you- Runway. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. I always tell people that, or I used to back before Tim Gunn left, is what I was like really. <laughs> that's what I was really watching it. Like I, I've seen every every season, and I would tell people that, and I would get people just like, tease me but i but i keep telling them it's like you have to watch it it's so interesting and it's not just a dumb it's not like most of these dumb reality shows it's really creative and it got me interested i never gave a shit about fashion at all until i saw that show and saw 
learned how to understand it really, you know, cause they just the idea, you know, I never thought about something flowing, fabric flowing is interesting to look at or textures and color. It's just, I just never thought about it cause I just wear black. <laughs> it's, it's one of the most incredible arts. Yeah. It's amazing. Know? I get it now. Yeah. I, I keep watching it, hoping I will learn. And I don't, doesn't seem to filter down to me. Somehow it's just like time to draw something or think of something. I can't come up with what those kids do. So, I mean, so their particular art is, is in designing and understanding and where knowing where the history is. But what I find fascinating about the show is because I'm watching like, the, the 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 higher up ones, the ones that have won previous, you know, the all stars. Right. So, uh, so they have experience, and the thing that is really clear to me is what a mind game it all is. Is that it, it's interesting to watch people fuck themselves up, mm -hmm. and these are really capable people, and. And and it's fascinating because their time limit is so shrunk down. They're not giving you more than a day to create something. And and these people, they're used to it. And some people just totally freeze. And I've done all those things. All right. Really relate. Yep. You'll do that some of that stuff, but you know you're doing it now. And it's it's, it's just fascinating to watch on screen. Yeah, I, I yeah, I found that I definitely I relate to a lot of it with yeah. with my own artwork, my own career, just being in those sit situations. Um that's what I, I really do enjoy the the kind of the art of it, seeing artwork being created in that way. And I just it's like I'm I'm the most surprised person to think that I would like that show, but it was, you know. I was very shocked that you and I were <laughs> at the party and go we love <laughs> we love project runway and everybody started moving away <laughs> stepping back i it just <laughs> thought less of us <laughs> it's like if you if you people that don't like it haven't watched it that's what i think it's really interesting you have to have an open mind and watch a few episodes and, it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. And, and you got to like overlook there's certain cheesy production aspects that all TV has, but get past that and get to the real stuff. And it is really interesting and it's really about creativity. And, and it is. Uh, it's about process, creativity, and, and time management. Mm -hmm. It's a, um, yeah. And how, how many ways. You mentally fuck yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> or you fight. Yeah, I, I find it fascinating. And, you know, just like the 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 work in, in, in clothing, I, I keep hoping some of it, you know, it, is getting in there. And I, I imagine, you know, some of it is. Yeah. Amazing. Don't forget, I, I, I'm painting mostly nude women. And I need a few things on them. <laughs> so, <laughs> no. Yeah, and you had that interest in, you know, you wanted to be a get going to fashion design, right? Early on. Yeah, you know, and I, I mean, the choices you make in life. I remember I had a, <clears throat> go to FIT, which was a fashion 
uh, uh, a fashion institute of technology in New York City. And then I had the other choice was visual arts. So I went to see the fashion. I went to Fashion Institute to take a look at it. And there were all these really pretty girls wearing mini skirts. You could see there were fluffy little panties underneath, you know. They they were they were also styled. And I got intimidated by them. And and then I went to visual arts and I saw a bunch of like hippie kids <laughs> looking creatures and and Somehow I decided that was home for me. <laughs> there. But I don't know if that was a smart choice. You know what I mean? Because I you dated, why would you back off? It, it seems in retrospect. I'm glad it didn't happen. But yeah. I don't know. I think, <clears throat> I don't know. It's hard. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. But, you know, having a career like yours and a body of work like yours, you can't. You can't deny that. That seems like it was, you made the right choice to me when you see that everything you've done and it's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it's incredible. Years, years go by. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the thing that amazes me is that I never saw a world where all my crappy art would show up on the internet. <laughs> what are you talking about, your crappy art? thing is that when you're creating art, 70s, 80s, early 90s, you paint, you make a, to make some good paintings, you have to make a lot of crappy paintings along the way. So, you know, you bury them. Say, no one's ever going to see that. Yay! <laughs> now there's the internet. Now I go up there and I go, oh. This is horrible. I've never seen a crappy piece of yours, so. Oh, I die. I die. I just can't believe it. I know. I recently went through all my um, artwork from when I first started for some reason. I think maybe when I was making the book. And, man, I was like, oh, man, I should never have put that one out. I should have never put that online. There's a bunch of them that I thought at the time were pretty good. And looking back, I'm like, no, I wouldn't. That would not have. That would not pass muster nowadays you know exactly that's what i mean i don't know i i i'm i'd be curious to see your what you consider a crappy painting of yours though i bet you it's not crappy i was taught by joel not to point that out <laughs> okay i know we're, get, we're we're getting late but I, I have to ask you i have to ask you um uh use an airbrush a lot I mean, that's, is that like your prime things? What? Not as much as everyone thinks. Yeah. Cause I, I was watching some videos of you, your time lapses and I didn't see any airbrushing, but, but you do use airbrushing. You do airbrush sometimes. So I think what really bothered me about the word airbrush is that everybody assumes that uh, people who don't know art at all assumes that it all comes out of an airbrush. Airbrush is like airbrush is hard. It's a, it's um, everybody finds it a cheating thing to do. Yeah, just like people are talking about AI and all uh, uh, um, opaque projectors doesn't matter how you, how you get your artwork done. So you're doing it. You get your art done. Right. It's yours. So um, 
So what I work in is mostly handwork. And airbrush comes in. Some pieces are more airbrushed than others, but it comes in in the end, and it and it polishes the piece. Mm. It's it adds another dimension to it, and it brings it to life. But most of the work, if you see my works in progress on Instagram, you'll see that most of it's watercolor washes. Yeah, the process over the last fifty years that I learned from a little paragraph in the Vargas book. You know, that you just put glazes of washes over and over again. And then the airbrush at the end comes in and finishes it off. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I saw, I I saw, I was kind of shocked because I'd always just heard that you were using, that you were, you know, like an airbrush artist. That was just like something that gets said. I know. And I'm not an airbrush. (laughs) Um, The airbrush I use is, Pash AB. Oh wow! Okay. And it works. And when I first started, I bought the wrong one, and I bought it for a left-handed, which means it works. The, the where the paint comes out is an inch over to the left, uh, over the left, which is this is right-handed, mm-hmm. and a left-handed one. I was working with it over here, so it, it it did take years. I got it, and I got one in like '79. I was painting fine without it but as you get along like joel bought me an opaque uh, projector a, a lucy because sometimes i would draw something to be in a little square box and spend hours on it and be the wrong size and it needed to move over yeah all kinds of, i mean everything is a process they learn how to to you know draw from the lucy and then constantly redraw it through tracing paper reverse it and put it down mm-hmm. on it. and that's how and center it correctly yeah you yeah that's cheating yeah no i might asshole that says that yeah no no my dad uh he he would use tracing paper he had like a big it was a shame when he died i had to we just had to leave it on the street because it's like what can you do with this thing but it was like one of those it was probably six foot tall, like a light table. And you had these like cranks that would, it would enlarge the, the image. Like it would project it. In the basement. You yeah. have one? I don't use it anymore. Yeah. It's like they're useless, but he, he was using that his whole life. Like up until he died, he just, that's how he did it. And he would trace it, tracing paper transfer to, uh, the Masonite and, uh, you know that's how he painted. So I, I I grew up around that. I never saw it as cheating at all. I know that. And then I mean, then you would take uh, uh, something else and put it in there, and then draw it on the on the trace. Keep drawing it on tracing paper, over and over again. I mean, yeah. This is part. This is from my comic book, but I've got scribbles. Like you cannot believe it. Almost looks like a alien language. Mm-hmm. Look at this shit. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> so, and then I have to constantly put it under, um, um, you know, it's what your father did. Yeah. Uh, tracing paper, redraw it until something clicks in, and then you get reference. You throw it all in there. Yep. Do you mm-hmm. sell those? 
No, these are throw away. You should sell. You should sell those. I think we sell some of them. I don't know. Joel is saving them like they're gold. You should. They are gold. They're money. They're money. It's like every. What is that? That it's it's it doesn't matter. <laughs> What's going on there? I'm showing. I'm showing you part of it. You won't be able to tell. But it's fun. I'm having fun. I'm it glad. Just... I'm glad, but I mean those th any any of those tracings, those are like think you gotta think like, you know, uh, uh, I would I would buy it in Olivia tracing even if I couldn't tell what it was, you know, just because it's like <laughs> it's an original tracing, it's historic, it's amazing. Like buying the Picasso and hanging it upside down. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like all of these artifacts from the <laughs> from the art making process are potential ways to make money i've sold thumbnail um, envelope thumbnail sketches on ebay it's like uh, you know stuff that i wrote in an envelope that was like oh that turned into a kind of a famous painting for me and in my body of work and it's like people buy that stuff you know and they're happy to own it in some way it's more fascinating because uh I mean, I'm a big believer in um, thumbnail sketches uh, or, or doodles, I call them, mm -hmm. in a few quick, in your back of your mind, few doodles, you get the whole action down in a few lines. And the trick is, is to get that action feeling into your painting. Right. As what happens, and you see it on Project Runway, don't you, <laughs> where they start <laughs> Up and they'll add a little tissue box over here. Right. I mean, all of a sudden it's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> you have to bring that drawing back in. You have to think, what was this? That and what the hell did it become? It, yeah. It, it's interesting. Sometimes, though, when you go from here all the way to the end and it doesn't bounce back and forth in the head, the self-doubt, the all that, and it comes out magic in a couple of days or mm -hmm. something. It's an opiate. You go, oh, this feels good. And yeah. you spend most of your life trying to get back there. Yep. Yeah. It's it is like, I mean it does feel art making to me really does feel like a like an addiction and it feels like a drug too. Cause it really, it's like, if you don't get your, your time in, you feel irritable and cranky, but if, and then, and then when you nail it and you make an amazing piece, it's like such a high. Great. It's such a great high. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's it. It's it. Um, man, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, I had such a good question. I forgot. It's gone. No. I hate when that happens. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, <laughs> I, I've had like, uh, I've had doodles and studies that uh, I've painted and I, and I, and I wasn't able to capture it on the, on the big painting. And that uh -huh. is so frustrating. Mm -hmm. Like I like the, I like the little study better than I like the final painting. It ha doesn't happen a lot, but it's, it's happened enough to where it's terrible. Happens a lot to me. Really? Frustrates me. Yeah. It frustrates me that at 50 years in, I still wind up in a Groundhog's Day <laughs> where I pick up and battle the same painting and not see where it goes to. Yeah. And 
better five iterations before I finally gave up. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it never goes away. It's just the way it is. Away, I guess for some people, I don't know. I, I think that there's probably some learning disabilities or some kind of deficit going on in here that doesn't learn. <laughs> I, <laughs> these are my uh, strange clicks. And um, I think everybody's got them and some lucky some lucky people are just like from point A to point B. It's done. And yeah. it's, it's perfect. There's nothing wrong with this. Yeah, but that's, that's I think, partially because, you know, you can never, you're the only person that can't see your work that in a way that everyone else sees it. Like, everyone else sees your work for the first time, and they're like, whoa, they see the final piece. But you see it as the artist as it's being developed. So you can never have the same that you can never have that a real like perspective on it because mm -hmm. you watched it be born. It's like, it's so weird. We are the only ones that can't see our artwork correctly in a way because we've watched them happen or we can't see them from a fresh uh, perspective. We anything, but we do know our way and, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, as we're going through it, we're going, I'll have my way or else I'm <laughs> my way. <laughs> the, the high at the beginning, I, uh, my favorite is from finally get something down on paper and I'm blissfully starting to paint. Oh, that's oh, so the best. The best. And then there comes a point where the problems <laughs> start. Fuck. <laughs> becomes all problem solving. Yep. It's painful. You paint around it. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put that, I'm going to leave that difficult part alone until the end. I don't want to. Hands there that are just like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's why, you know, you got to love it. You got to love it because it's not easy to do and it takes a lot of work and a lot of it's painful. So you have to really love what you're doing in order to get. Yeah. You know, well. I could keep going on forever, but I know that we I've gone past my allotted time with you, but hopefully you will come on the show again sometime because I didn't get to ask you a lot of what I wanted to talk to you about. So maybe you could come, come on again sometime. Now I'm curious what the hell you wanted to ask about. Oh, well, I, you know, um, I wanted to ask about your, uh, uh, time in the I, I don't know in the 80s when you had like a mansion and and all these collectible stuff you were telling me about didn't you have like dorothy's shoes from the wizard of oz or something no you didn't mansion in the 80s i had a mansion in 2000 oh in 2000 oh, okay built it from scratch yeah you built your own mansion didn't you have all these movie collectibles like Marilyn Monroe's dresses and got the wrong person. What we had though was a Gemini spacesuit from 1963. Okay. Well, that's pretty amazing. <laughs> I didn't expect that. And it had a pretty great story, but it's very long. Okay. 
It's a great story. It has to do with Playboy, too, and Hugh Hefner and A Man on the Moon. So I'll put that in there and I'll tell you. No, it was a Gemini space, a real one. Wow. It didn't fly into outer space. It was a test. That's why we were allowed to have it. Otherwise, you're not allowed to own such a thing. Wow. That's cool. Smithsonian knew where it was, but they were like, We've got enough of them. Why don't I need to take care of another? Really? Told uh, <laughs> it a couple of years ago. We live in the fire section and everything burns. So uh, yeah. No, but that no, I didn't have any collectibles like Marilyn Monroe. We had collectibles, maybe sex collectibles or something like that. Statues <laughs> where the where the uh, where the uh, skirt goes up, you know, bronzes and stuff like that, you know. Or, um, God, I remember. I, I don't know where I heard that. I thought it was you. I thought you told me that. Well, I might have told you that. No. Yeah. <laughs> Betty paid shoes, if that's what you mean. Oh, okay. Maybe that was it. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm trying to think of what else. Joel has a fetish. Not a fetish. He has an erotica collection of photographs, stereo photographs from uh, 1800s. Oh, wow. Uh, nudes and um, all the way to the 50s and he constantly is it works on that and 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 some of them are so beautiful you know they're stereo yeah those are really cool i've seen those really cool yeah those are amazing you're ever out here well we're moving into town hopefully soon oh really i don't know where don't ask okay <laughs> i'm going but we have to leave Okay. Well, I do want to come and visit you sometime. I would love to do that. But maybe when you're in your new place. Well, you can do it now, but places. We're, we're all the, we're far. I'm not going to say where. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know where you are far, but. Uh, no one visits us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know. I have someone, I know someone else. I know a couple of people that out that way and I never get to see them because they're always out that way. No one comes up, you know, and people say, Oh, I'm gonna go and visit. I said, sure you are. <laughs> it's and I'm I'm out far, you know, the other way. I'm out, out east in Monrovia, so it's like that's far from LA even. Yeah. So I'm extra far. In the middle of LA somewhere in uh, somewhere near my doctors. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm getting fucking old. <laughs> <laughs> you sure don't look at it. I, I, I wish I knew your secret. Sometimes I feel that you juggle it. You live with an ice pack and you keep on working. <laughs> it's the so art. Look, next time I'll tell you my st space suit story. Oh, yes. Fun. I got, Where yeah, I, I have a lot of things. So hopefully you will come on again. Write them down. Don't put them in your, your log book between here is where your other book is. <laughs> I'll write them down next time. I will, I will come with, with a list of questions. Okay. It's, <laughs> it's fun talking to you. I love you. And it's oh, fabulous. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, you're the best. I love you. I love Joel. You guys are great. I really appreciate you taking the time. It's uh, It's just like, you know. Amazing that you would, again, it's amazing that you even hang out with any of us. It's amazing that you would come on this podcast. Don't make me come over there. <laughs> You're the legend. Come on. You're Olivia. 
hell? We're just peons compared. You're yourself, oh my god. We're living no, we're li- we're we're in your shadow. You're epic. Anyway, okay. That's Thanks. enough. <laughs> Mind. Well, okay. So just the last what? The, the last thing we gotta do is you just have to say goodbye to the audience. You just have to say goodbye. Adios, muchachos.